Welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church family here in Yankton. Our episode today is from our series, Dream On. As we enter this new decade of the roaring 20s, we want to dream God-sized dreams in our lives, in our church, and in our community. We hope you enjoy. The year was 1961. Uh, The United States of America was embroiled in a cold war with the Soviet Union. There was an overwhelming sense of fear, doubt, and mistrust. You see, just four years earlier, the Soviets had shocked the world by launching the first satellite, Sputnik, into space. Everyone in the world could hear its signal, which only increased the fear. Then on April 12, 1961, the Soviets sent Yuri Gargan into orbit, making the first human being ever in outer space. At that time, the U.S. space program was a far distance behind, and this achievement would now only increase that gap. Then on May 25, 1961, President John Fitzgerald Kennedy stood before a joint session of Congress, and he cast a vision for the United States of America to be the leader in space exploration. He then issued the now famous national goal that before this decade is out, we would land a man on the moon and return him safely to the earth. You can hear Kennedy saying that, can't you? You almost want to say it like that, right? Return him safely to the earth. (laughs) (laughs) Kennedy said this, no single project in this period will be more impressive to mankind or more important for long-range exploration. And none will be so difficult or expensive to accomplish. See, Kennedy's vision galvanized the nation at that point. It took all of the nation's best resources, all of their top people, and put them on this one goal. This vision for Kennedy struck further into our nation's heart in November of 1963 when he was assassinated. See, now it was no longer just a goal for America to be the leader in space. It was really to honor the legacy of this great president. Every single person at NASA moved in the exact same direction. From the astronauts to the engineers, all the way down to the custodians, they had one goal. Before the end of the decade, put a man on the moon and return him safely to the Earth. One custodian was actually training a new hire at the Kennedy Space Center, and he said to the man, he said this, he said, you're not mopping a floor, you're putting a man on the moon. I love that church. That's that that unity. Then on July 20th, 1969, 50 years ago, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin walked on the surface of the moon while the entire world watched. Then on July 24th, they splashed down in the ocean, completing the goal. See, the goal wasn't just to get man to the moon, right? (laughs) The goal was to get him safely home. And that was just as challenging and more often forgotten. Now, why am I telling you that, church? What are we talking about here? We're starting a brand new I'm calling a church-wide campaign called Dream On, where we're really asking the question, what are those God-sized dreams for my life, for this church, and for our community? And see, I, I wonder what it would be like if all of us in this room were as fully devoted to God's kingdom as we were putting man on the moon. Because see, remember how Kennedy said no single mission was going to be more important for that period? I can't think of a more important mission than spreading God's kingdom in our community and in our world. And if you were here last week, I want to thank you for coming back. <laughs> last week was a tough message. It was hard. And, and I, uh, 
I always go back and I always listen to the message and, and I listen to it again and it was pretty heavy. And so again, thank you for coming back. But sometimes we need that church. See, if we're going to hold on to, if we're going to grasp the dreams that God has for us, sometimes we have to destroy where we've been. Sometimes we've got to cut that out and we've got to make room for what God has in store for us. There's one thing that nobody is talking about and that I just think is crazy. Right? There's something that happened that I'm hearing very little about, I'll say it that way, but I, I think there should be more buzz about it. Right? At the beginning of this year, we started 2020, which was not only a new year, it was a new decade as well. Right? New decade. We're in the 2020s. Church, we're in the roaring 20s. Right? Do you remember? Right? Do you remember back last century, the roaring 20s, like all the things that were happening? We're here now. And think about this from a historical standpoint. Everything that happened in the 1920s would literally shape the entire rest of the 20th century. And some historians agree that the 20th century was the greatest century in human history. Church, I'm here to tell you, you ain't seen nothing yet. This, this century is going to blow the 20th century out of the water. And I'm convinced that that starts with us. And that starts with us understanding that by this decade, we can change the course of not only this church, not only our community, we can change the course of lives for all eternity. That a hundred years from now, people will be sitting in a church and they will look back and they will say, that's when it started, was right here and right then. And again, if you've been here, we've been doing a weekend of prayer and fasting. This is the first time we've done it. I think it was beautiful. Oh my goodness, this this morning back there in our kids area at nine o'clock, there was a group of people. I don't know how many there were. There was quite a few people that were there. If you were there, thank you for being part of that. It was a powerful moment of prayer. And throughout this weekend, we've been meeting together and talking about that. And we're preparing for what God has in store. So I'm real excited for what God has in store. But church, as we're launching this today and we're kicking off this campaign, well, the one thing I want to help you understand is there is going to be a cost. There's always a cost for following Jesus Christ. See, if you want to reach your goals and you want to achieve that, there's a price that needs to be paid. C.S. Lewis says this, the one thing Christianity cannot be is moderately important. The one thing Christianity is not is moderately important. See, I don't think that we struggle coming to church. I think that's a myth. I don't think we struggle going to a life group. I think that's, that's false teaching. I don't believe that, that we struggle reading our Bible or praying or any of that stuff. I think all of that is just a smokescreen to really understand this one thing. Jesus Christ is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And, and what I think it is, I don't think we've settled that question in our hearts. See, if you struggle with any of those things, I would just challenge you in this series and this Sunday, is he Lord of all? See, there's only room for one on the throne of your heart. And it's either going to be you or it's going to be him. We have to decide, is Jesus Lord of all or is he not Lord at all? There is going to be a cost. There is going to be a commitment that we need to have. One of the things that God ordained when he called his people and starting all the way back in Genesis 12 with Abraham, there was a covenant that God had with his people called circumcision. Okay. Now, there's a lot of parts in the Bible that people struggle with. Like, like was there a Noah's Ark? Was there a garden? All that stuff. Here's the one thing. For me, it's circumcision. All right? That's the one thing that I struggle with because as a dude, I'm just being honest. I'm like, really, God? Okay? There couldn't be any other way. That was it. That's, that was how you signed it. That's how you did it. I mean, I, I just, I'm just wondering if that was the case, right? Because, I mean, I'll, I'll, I hear the other thing that I hear is I hear the, the Bible is biased towards women, right? Not in that case. It's not, right? All the ladies say, amen, right? And all the guys say, <laughs> we don't want that, right? I still remember 
when my two boys, when they got, I was like, I don't even want to be in the room. I don't want to think about it. That's what God said. That was his sign. That was his covenant was with mankind. There's going to be a cost. And, and church going to help you something that's going to hurt. Right? Joshua, when he brought the children of Israel into the promised land, after 40 years of wandering the wilderness, after an entire first generation passed away because they didn't claim the promises of God, the first thing Joshua said, the first thing God told Joshua to do is to take all the men and renew the covenant of circumcision. You know what I said at that point? I'm going back to Egypt. All right. <laughs> like, that's what he did. And that doesn't make a lot of sense from a human standpoint, but it makes all kinds of sense from a God standpoint. Because I want to, I want to unpack something for you here. And I, again, I'm not trying to go down an inappropriate road, so please don't go there. But what I want you to understand is something is this. How do you prove you're circumcised? There's only one way to do that. And why I ask you that is because I want you to understand this question. Are you willing to be that vulnerable before God? That's what I think circumcision is about. I think it's about being as vulnerable and as open before God as we can possibly be. Because if we want to have the dreams of God, it's going to cost us something, church. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if you're not familiar with that name, he's an incredible, incredible pastor, an incredible author. Uh, he was born in Germany, but he escaped right about the time the Nazis were taken over, fled to the United States of America, um, wrote some amazing, incredible books, like I already said. Um, but an interesting thing about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if you're not familiar with him, what he did was right before the war broke out, he actually took the last steamship from the United States and went back to Germany to live in the land of Germany during the Nazi regime. And a lot of people were like, why are you doing that? That's crazy. Look at what Bonhoeffer says about this. I want to read this directly from him. I will have no right to participate in the reconstruction of Christian life in Germany after the war if I do not share the trials of this time with my people, Christians in Germany, listen to, listen to the vision that he had for his people. Christians in Germany will have to face the terrible alternative of either willing defeat of their nation in order that civilization may survive, or the willing defeat of their nation and thereby, or sorry, willing victory of their nation and thereby destroying civilization. Basically what he's saying is if the Nazis win, we're all in trouble. And we can either sit back and do nothing and let it happen, or we can go and we can fight against that. And look at what he says. I know which of these alternatives I must choose, but I cannot make that choice from security. And if you don't know the rest of the story, on April 9, 1945, Dietrich Bonhoeffer was executed by the Nazis in a concentration camp. Two weeks later, that camp was liber liberated by the American soldiers. So much like Kennedy, Bonhoeffer never fully got to realize the vision that he had that God accomplished in his life. But why do I tell you all that again, church? There's going to be a cost. There will be a cost of following Jesus Christ that we have to be willing to pay. So if you've got your Bibles, why don't you go to Ephesians chapter 5. Um, and I'm going to be in the 15th verse. And this is actually going to be on the screen. So um, let's go ahead. Actually, let's just go ahead and read this out loud together. Let's read this passage out loud together. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Why don't you go ahead and take out your note sheets, and on your note sheets there, um, we're going to go through two common mistakes in my thinking. If you were here last week, we talked about if you want to have, be successful in life, if you want to be successful in church, you need to have the right thinking and the right systems. Well, there's two common mistakes 
that we make with our thinking that are going to be key for us to understand as we start this series, Dream On. Here's the first one. Thinking my wants are greater than God's will. Thinking that my wants are greater than God's will. Proverbs 16 says this, To humans belong the plan of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. All a person's ways seem pure to them, but motives are weighed from the Lord. If I can put that another way, we all think our motives are pure. <laughs> we, we, everything we do we think is right, because if we didn't think it was right, we wouldn't do it. We'd stop doing it, right? But God always knows our heart. He weighs our motives and sees what it is that we're actually wanting to do, what our heart is, how we can do that. We all want things. And church, that's not a bad thing. All of us have our own wants and desires. But are those wants and desires mine or are they God's will? We have to answer that question. And if you've been here, you've heard me say this before. I didn't want to plan a church. If I'm being 100% honest with you, I was fine where I was at. If you're a guest, my wife and I lived in Sioux Falls for 15 years. We had just bought our dream house. Both our boys is the only home they knew was Sioux Falls. We had a wonderful family. I was coming into my 40s. And for a guy, I had spent all of my 20s and 30s building up my reputation, my professional career. I was where I wanted to be professionally. I was where I wanted to be personally. I was getting ready to start building that equity, right, that we all love to have. So that when we get to be our 70s, 60s, we can retire and be comfortable. We were making more money than we'd ever made in our lives. And that was where I wanted to be. And I was okay with that. And then God came along and he said, but I want more for you, Jeff. I want more for you, Jeff. And every time I think about that, I look at this room and I think of these faces. And I think of what I would have missed out on if I would have just stayed comfortable with what I wanted. Because here's what I want you to see. Verse 3 in Proverbs 16. Commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. Church, Jeff Todd didn't come down here to plant this church. Because if it would have been under my strength, we would all be in trouble. And it would not turn out very well. This is God that's doing that. And Elaine and I, this has been our prayer since we've been in Yankton. We want Jesus, we don't want Jeff. Does that make sense? Like, which J are you following? You better be following Jesus. Because if this is if this is going to be on God, if God's plan is on this, if God ordains this, and God wants us to do this, this will not fail. Amen. Until we do. And until we give up and say, no, I want my wants, God. I don't want your will. Church, what's that in your life right now? What are the wants that you're trying to hold on to that God's saying you need to let go and can I help you with something? If you ever let something go for God, you never lose it. You always get more back. Not a day goes by. I do not have one bit of regret ever, ever since we moved and we made that decision. I am just grateful and thankful all the time. Church, I can't wait to see what God has in store for us. If God doesn't want to be first in your life, I'm going to say that again. God does not want to be first place in your life. God wants to be your life. God wants to be your life. See, if you aren't seeing God move in your life, then you might not have surrendered to him yet. And, and can I help you with that? This is a great time to do that. To say, God, I'm tired of trying myself. I'm, I'm tired. I'm struggling. I'm, I'm exhausted. God, I just want to let it go. And I just want your will for my life. Church, I pray that today is that day. If anyone in this room is still struggling with that, you can. Because are your dreams, your wants, or God's will? And I want you to surrender to him today. And then we can dream on. 
Here's the second thing. The common mistake we have in our thinking. The first one is thinking my wants are greater than God's will. Here's the second one. Thinking there's a tomorrow. One of the things I love about Jesus is Jesus would always do a lot of teaching and stories. If you hear the, the biblical word for that is parable. We don't use that word a lot today. But basically what a parable is, it was a lesson that Jesus was teaching in the form of a story. It's one of the reasons why when I preach, I, I preach with a lot of stories. Because that's how we learn and that's how Jesus did as well. So this is a story, a parable that Jesus shared with his disciples one day. I'm in Luke 12 in the 16th verse. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all of my surplus grain. And I will say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. That was this guy's plan. Because he was thinking there's going to be a tomorrow. Now, I want to say this before I go on. I think you should plan for tomorrow. Please hear that, okay? I fully believe that you should invest well. I believe you should steward well the resources God's given you. I believe in smart financial decisions. I can show you verses in Proverbs where you need to count the cost, where you always need to make sure you're, you're keeping good track of your, of your finances. So please don't hear that. I think it's a great thing to save for retirement and all that stuff. But the question I want to ask you, are you planning for tomorrow at the expense of today? Are you planning for tomorrow at the expense of today? See, I've heard this quote before. Maybe you've heard it. I love this quote. Yesterday is a canceled check. Tomorrow is a promissory note. Today is the only cash you have. Spend it well. See, what I want you to understand is, is there is an enemy, church. There is somebody who hates you. He hates your family. He hates your job. He hates your kids. He wants to seek, kill, and destroy. That's all he wants to do. And the one area that I see this happen all the time is in your past. Again, going backwards, looking back in our past. I, I mean, so many times I've looked at my own life and I thought, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I wouldn't have said that. Man, if I would have only instead of, anybody else been there before? <laughs> see, that's where the enemy wants to keep you. He wants to keep you in your past. He wants to keep you locked in those past choices because if he can do that, he knows two things. He can steal your joy right now because you're too busy worrying about what happened. But the other thing he can do is he can rob your future. He can rob your future if you're too busy focusing on the past. That's all he has is the past. See, right now you have your present. You have the ability to make that choice to see where your focus is, where your attention is, where your time's going to be. You know who owns your future? God does. God's got your future. And church, man, if I could give you one thing for this series, God has amazing things planned for you. I don't care who you are or where you're at. If you would have known me five years ago and you would have said, I'd be here planning a church, you would laugh hysterically. If you don't believe me, I have phone numbers of people you could call to say that, okay? God can do amazing things in your life. He has wonderful plans for your future, but you have to let go of your past. You've got to kill it. You've got to just say, Satan, it's done. It's over. I have today. This is what I'm going to do today because I have that currency. I can do that. And then I'm going to trust God for my tomorrow. Every decision we've made as a church so far has been with that in the focus. God has your future, church. He wants to have that. See, the other thing, if you go back to the story again, back in Luke 12, I think it's interesting. The thing that I never noticed before about this lesson but I, I, I had it pointed out to me when I was studying for this message, and I went, that is just amazing. This man wasn't prepared for a great harvest. Did you notice that? 
He planted, he planted all these seeds. He probably in his mind was probably thinking, well, I'll probably get about this much, right? But God blessed him over and above what he had. He wasn't prepared for a good harvest. And maybe, this is an interesting thought, maybe God did that on purpose. Maybe God said to him, listen, I'm going to bless you over and above what you can even keep. And what I want you to do with this, and this is me just reading into it, so you can take this as a will. Maybe God was going to say to this guy, because I've blessed you over and above, I want you to give the rest away. You, you don't have room for it anyway. Well, well, who are you trusting in? Your barns or are you trusting in your God? See, maybe I blessed you to be a blessing to other people so that you can grow. See, this is the thing that I struggle with in our country. We are the richest country that has ever existed in, in the history of the world. We are so spoiled rotten in this country. We have so much. If you make minimum wage, all right, if you live under what we would consider poverty, you're in the top 80% of richest people on the planet. Just by getting born in the United States of America, you've hit the lottery. And you are so blessed, and you are so well. We have so much in this country. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, how much of that is for me? How much did God bless you to be a blessing to other people? And I think that's the problem in the church. We're like, no, we want to hold on to it. We want to keep it for ourselves. See, I've worked hard for this, and I've got all this stuff. It's mine, God. I can keep it. I love what Andy Stanley says. He says, the definition of greed is the assumption that everything that I have is for my consumption, right? Everything that I have is for me. God's given it to me, therefore it's for me. But it's not. Sometimes God blesses us to be a blessing. And you're blessed to be a blessing. Look at what God says to this man in verse 20. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but isn't rich towards God. Now, do I believe it's wrong to be wealthy? Absolutely not. I believe, I hope God makes you all millionaires, and I hope you all tithe, okay? That was a joke. Calm down. All right? I, I mean that. But when God blesses you, he blesses you to be a blessing. He blesses you to be a blessing to other people. We can't focus on tomorrow. All we have is today. And what can you do today with what God's given you? So is the focus of your dreams your pleasure? Or is your focus of your dreams God's purpose? Which one are you looking at? How can I please me? How can I help me? Or what is God's purpose for my life, for my wealth, and in my life? And if we look at that church, then we can really dream on. Um, God did something in my heart probably about six months ago. And I'm going to unpack it here for you for a little while as a way of kind of introduction to this series and walking through this. Um, we've been in Yankton now. It kind of struck me. Uh, this is our third Christmas in Yankton. That blows my mind. It is a quick trip. I feel like we just got here. But I began to realize probably about six months ago that we're kind of not the new guys in town anymore. You know, we, we've been here. Elaine and I burned a lot of fuel getting this thing up and running. It was a ton of work. I'm not going to lie. It was, it was hard. Um, we were plowing really hard, kind of like in the farm. when You, plow, you burn a lot of fuel when you're plowing. And uh, we kind of got things going, and things were going well. Um, in September, as many of you know, I stepped into the role of being a full-time pastor, um, which was awesome. And so, But it was kind of at that season where I really kind of started asking the question, okay, God, what do you have for us as a church? Like, what, what, what's, what's, going, what's, what's on the next horizon? What, what are we going to? And, um, again, we're, we're not the new kids in town. I've been in Yankton now for three years. Met a lot of people, seen a lot of things. And in my own kind of reflections, I was like, okay, God, show me 
kind of what you're what you're seeing. So I'm going to walk you through, um, and I think they're on your note sheets there, four dream areas in Yankton. And I'm just going to kind of unpack these for you a little bit, and then I want to share with you something that, that God showed me that I think is really cool. So the first, what I'm calling, I'm just calling it a dream area in Yankton, is poverty. And you might be like, that's not a dream area. Well, let's, let's unpack this for a second. See, I look around our community and I see a lot of people struggling. I see a lot of people struggling financially. I see a lot of people struggling with work. I see a lot of people struggling those types of things. Um, and so I was like, that's, that's a big area in this community, a big area of hurt. Um, many of you might know this, but uh, we have a tremendous relationship with Pathways Homeless Shelter. Um, here in Yankton. It's just an amazing facility. It's got a lot of great things going on. Um, Jesse Bailey and I, um, I've known him since basically moved, um, but so impressed with the ministry and the work that they're doing at Pathways Homeless Shelter. And it's really cool because, again, about uh, probably early this fall, Nikki Morkvive, um, who is amazing, and she said I could say that, so she is amazing, um, she started volunteering out there. And one of the things that I love, it gets me emotional when I talk about it, um, I love seeing people find their passion. And, and it's fun to see people light up when they find something that they're really good at and they really like doing and, and you really feel like God's called them to do that. And I just love seeing that in Nikki. It's just fun to see her just light up and, and do that. It's, it's awesome. And so I'm like, okay, God, that's kind of cool. And then about a month or so ago, Ivy French, who you many of you know, sing up here, stands up here and sings, but um, she um, started volunteering there too as well. She started saying, hey, God, I, I want to serve. I want to do more. I, I want to do that. So I connected her with Jesse, and she's been going there and doing that. Um, Financial Peace University, obviously, that's been something you guys met Amy and Jason, so I don't have to go into that as well. The one thing that you probably don't know about is that um, there has been a lot of communication with uh, churches and poverty. So I'll unpack that for you for a little bit. Um, in Yankton right now, by my count, this is just my, my count, there are 25 churches in Yankton, counting Celebrate Church. And of those 25 churches, 14 of them have changed pastors just in the time since we've launched. So in less than a year and a half, 14 churches have different pastors. Now, I don't know if that's good, bad, or otherwise. I'm just saying God's up to something. God's doing something. And I've been very strategic about building relationships with other pastors when I first moved. And now I'm going back and meeting all of you guys <laughs> and gals. Um, but uh, I just like, what's going on? And one of the things that we're having that I'm so excited about, we're having a conversation as far as what does it look like when churches, when people come to church for me. So a lot of people in need, they'll call a church, right? Which I, and I, I mean this jokingly, so please don't be offended. But I say, when people call our church and ask for money, I kind of compliment it because I'm like, well, we don't have any money, but thanks for calling. <laughs> you know? But, but it, it's part of a church, right? People are in need, they say, I'll call the church, I'll see what they can do. And one of the conversations we're having right now is how can we work together as churches? Instead of sending people to 25 different churches and trying to find help, what would it look like if we just all worked together and just helped one thing? So it's very early on in that conversation, but I'm excited about that. Things have been going well. There's going to be a meeting next week, and um, it's just cool stuff. So that's one of the dream areas, is, is how do we help the poor in this country, or in this community? Here's the second one, our prisons. Now, I knew this before I moved down to Yankton, but I'm sure you know it as well. Uh, prisons are a big deal in our community. Not only do we have the federal prison right here in, in the middle of our town, um, we also have the work release center out at HSC, um, about 300 inmates out there as well. And then Springfield, which is only about 30 miles away, is a huge um, facility there as well. So not just, obviously, the people that are in prison, that's a big deal, but the thing that's really kind of God's draw, drew me to was the people who work in prisons. Like, a lot of people in our community work in corrections. 
And so um, God opened a door that I got to go through and do a clergy training. So I can actually go into all the prisons now. Um, and I did this about, again, about six months ago. And one of the things that I learned in my training that just broke my heart was that correctional officers have a 40% higher suicide rate than the rest of the nation. Like, that broke my heart. And then the average age that a correctional officer retires is about 57. And what they found is they only live about 18 months after that on average. That's a tough job. And, and it's, it's crazy to think about how many people in our community, how many families, those, those, they have wives, they have husbands, they have kids. Like, there's a huge need for that. Not only for the men and women who are coming, I guess the men are the prisoners that come out to help them. Obviously, we want to do that. But what about those correctional officers? What can we do to walk alongside and help them as well? So that's another dream area. Here's my third dream area. I call it medical. And so what I mean by that is obviously we have an amazing hospital. We have an amazing Yankton Medical Clinic here. We have a great resource. Again, the people that work there, the nurses, the doctors, all of that stuff. But it's more than that in Yankton. As you know, with the Human Services Center, your mental health is a huge deal. There's a huge need for that in our community. Not only, again, the people suffering, but the people working in that. And I'm also adding in their addiction, because I see that as medical as well. People who suffer from addiction, who need recovery from that. And again, the men and women who help them, counsel them through that. So anything that I would say needs healing, right? A physical healing, an emotional healing, a healing from an addiction, that's kind of a medical. These are big areas in our community. Here's the last one. And the word I'm using for this is I'm calling it the oppressed. Okay? And that's just my word. But what I mean by that is there's a lot of people in our community who are suffering, um, particularly children who are victims of abuse, neglect, those types of things, but also men and women who are victims of domestic violence. That's a huge deal as well. Um, sex trafficking, I, if you don't understand the fact that sex trafficking is huge in our community, you need to take your blinders off. Um, I've sat in several meetings and had my eyes open. It's all over in our community. Um, we don't think in good old Yankton, South Dakota, that happens. It happens all the time. And there's people that are victims of that, labor, all of those things. So. Those are the four dream areas. Now, now that I got y'all down, right? <laughs> like, again, what can we do? What can our little church do about all that stuff? Well, again, I believe in a big God. And I was just, again, I was just asking the question. This is just me looking through this going, okay, God, these are things that I see in our community. What would that look like? What would that mean? Well, now, to kind of tie it up for you, uh, I'm also getting my master's degree right now. So I'm, I'm taking classes to earn um, my master's degree ordination. The reason why I tell you that is because I was sitting in a class, it's online, and so I was listening to the lecture, um, and I'll be honest with you, I was kind of tuning out. I'm sure you guys never do that when you listen to somebody talk, right? <laughs> if you have tuned out, come back. This is important, all right? So I was kind of tuning out. I wasn't really listening. And the professor quoted a scripture. And I went, wait, what? It's, and it's a scripture I've heard dozens of times, dozens of times. Very familiar. I'm sure you've heard this before, too, as well. But when he said it, I, I had this in my mind. I want you to keep those four dream areas in mind when we talk about the scripture. I had to go back, and I had to play it over again. Luke 4, 18 through 19. I'm going to read this to you. Think about this. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free, Amen. to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And I can't tell you, you could have hit me with a two by four. I just went, whoa. And even as I'm preaching this now, like the hair in my neck is standing up, and I just went, oh boy. And I went, God, I don't know what this means. And he said, can you trust me? I said, yeah. 
And so this is the vision that, that really God has shown me and seeing that and, and understanding these areas and knowing that God has called us to this community in this time and in this way. And what I want to ask you is, are your dreams more your wants or God's will? See, my wants would probably not be any of that, but that's God's will. What's the focus of my dreams? My pleasure or God's purpose? Now, I want to say something before I go on because I think this is key. Um, one of the things that I've said since I've came to Yankton, and this will never change, is that God did not just call me to Yankton. We, we were called to be a multiplying church. We are going to multiply our church throughout this area. Um, God's already showed me that, and that's our vision, that's our heart, is to continue to do that. Um, I've said from day one, I said I would not become a full-time pastor until we were multiplying. God did that about six months earlier than I thought, and now we're in Lake Andes, and I can do both of those things. That's fantastic. But here's the thing. That hasn't changed at all, church. That's always going to be our focus. We're always going to be multiplying and growing. But what God has shown me in this season right now, supporting Lake Andes is huge, but we need to start working on this and, and, and building this. This um, The word I'm saying is kind of prototype, like, Yankton be the, the standard of how we do church. What does church look like? How does that look? How does that function? What does that mean? So we're going into a season of that right now. And I again, I'm not going to stand up here and say, this is what this means. This is the point of the series. I want us to go on a journey together as a church and say, what does this look like? Because this is going to look like different for every single person in here. What this means. That's why I'm bringing in different community leaders that are going to share with you different things about this so we can understand that. I mentioned this last week, but I'll go ahead and say it again. Jesse Bailey's going to be here one of the Sundays. We're going to learn about Pathway Shelter for the Homeless and, and just find out the information, what that means. Um, Desiree Johnson and State, her, uh, Operations Director Stacy will be here one week. Domestic Violence Shelter, people that help the oppressed. It's a wonderful, wonderful ministry in our town. Uh, Lisa and I got a chance to go there and meet with them and, and talk with them a little bit and just the stuff that they're doing. I don't know what that means, church, but we're just having a conversation. Um, Amy Leone, I mentioned, our city manager, will be here one Sunday. Um, great questions to ask uh, as far as what, is, what does it look like in the community? How, what, what are all those areas look like for her as a city government leader? Uh, Dr. Wayne Kendall's going to be here, uh, superintendent of the School District. We're going to unpack that. What does it look like in our schools? Because guess what? Our school district is affected by all of that stuff. Right? The kids live in homes with correctional officers. There's, there's prisoners that come here. There's, there's homeless kids that come here. We have homeless kids in our community, church. That should break your heart. It breaks mine. And again, because your life isn't about you, right? So what does that mean for us? Well, here's what I would say. Um, and I've, I've kind of wrestled back and forth with how to say this. So I'm just going to let God's word speak for itself. Are you guys okay with that? Matthew 25. Again, Jesus is telling a story. And I want to share this story with you that Jesus shared in Matthew 25, verse 34. Then the king will say to those in his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Now listen to this. When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes to clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. I'm going to go ahead and invite Kathy to come on up here. 
And while she's doing that, I just want to ask you the question, church, what does this mean for you? Well, we're asking the question to dream on. What are the dreams for your life, for our church, and for our community? And, and my job is not to stand up here and tell you this is what we're going to be doing, this is where it's at. I, I really do. I want this whole thing to be on a journey with us together as a church to say, what does that look like in my heart? Because I can tell you with 100% accuracy, we live in a community that is dying for a church, God's church to stand up and say, this is what we are. This is how we love people the way Jesus loved people. This is what Jesus called us to do. And I want to I want to be a church that does that. I want to be a church that loves that. And it starts, if I can give you one thing for today, it starts right here. And just being here every Sunday. Thank you for being here. Continue to come. I'm just encouraging, pray for one person in your life who doesn't have a church home who can come here and be here. I had three conversations this week with people who don't have a church. And, and I've been praying. I, and the cool part is I don't invite them. I just tell them who I am and what I'm doing. And I just let God do the work. So if you feel uncomfortable about that, don't. Just, just find somebody in your life who you have a relationship with that you can say, hey, I, I really think that this would be good for you to see. And really start praying through what these dream areas are going to be for us. Um, one of the things that uh, I... I'll mention this now. Next week, I'm not going to be here. Now, I don't usually announce that when that happens, but I'm specifically doing that this week to let you know something pretty important. You want to be here next week. Because next Sunday, Rod and Tylene Holman are going to be here, and Rod's going to give the message. If you don't know who that is, that's a couple from Brandon, South Dakota, who are um, going to be going to Lake Andes. And for the last six months, I've been working with them to kind of raise them up to pastor the church in Lake Andes. So he's going to be here. Now, again, if you're going to be gone or something, again, you can watch online, but try to be here if you can, because you can't touch God online. You know what I mean? You're like, you get to shake his hand, you get to see him. And what I hope, church, is I hope that we come up and we say thank you to Rod, because this is a pretty cool thing. This is a guy, you'll get to know Rod, but um, I'll let him share his story. But if you would, again, you'd ask him a couple years ago if he'd be planning a church, he said, no way. The guy works IT for Avera. I'll just say this. He does pretty good, right? He, he's, a, he's brilliant. The guy's super smart. And God got a hold of him about two years ago. And he just raised his hand. He said, wherever, wherever God will send. Who, who sells their house in Brandon, South Dakota and moves to Lake Andes to pastor a church of people? Who does that? Somebody who wants God's will. Somebody who cares more about his purpose, God's purpose, than his pleasure. I can't wait for you to meet Rob. And one of the things that I love about this whole Lake Andy's adventure, he and Tylene have been a true blessing in my life. It's been so much fun. I feel completely unworthy to be leading them right now because I think these guys are just amazing. But it's been a privilege to do that. And I'm excited because there's going to be more. I believe with all my heart there are church planners in this church that will plant churches. I believe that with all my heart. I see that in the future. And if you're sitting there thinking, that's not me, guess what? It's probably you. So be careful with that statement, all right? God can do that. God has your future. What would this church look like if we claimed the purposes of God in our lives? I believe this world would never be the same. Let's pray. God, you have such amazing dreams for our lives. Thank you so much, Jesus, that on the cross of Jesus Christ, when you died for us, you leveled the playing field. You said your past is forgotten. If there's anyone in this room right now in the sound of my voice, either in this room or watching online or listening as well, and they feel like they can't overcome their past, I pray that this moment right now they would lay that burden down. They would cast that, that doubt and that fear at your feet. 
Jesus. And they maybe for the first time in their lives that they would truly surrender to your will. And God, I pray that that would happen right now in the hearts of somebody's mind. Because God, you're either Lord of all or you're not Lord at all. It's not one or the other. It's, you gotta, it's one or the other. You've got to decide. Help us to answer that question. Because when we surrender to your will, God, it's no longer about our pleasure. It's all about your purpose. And we'll go wherever, whenever, do whatever for your glory and for your kingdom. God, I thank you for Rod and Tyler Holman. I thank you for their desire to do exactly that. And I'm so excited that they get to come here and they get to meet this wonderful family here in Yankton. And we get to pour into them and invest in them. And then we get to see what you're already doing. God, you're already up to something with all these different things that I just listed. Just, just in the last six months, God, what you've shown. God, I believe we are in the roaring 20s. I believe we're just getting started. And I can't wait to see by the end of this decade what is going to happen. Jesus, not one person in this room is guaranteed tomorrow. And Jesus, if this is the last message that I ever preach, I pray that this would be my legacy. God, I look back on, on President Kennedy and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and they gave their lives for a vision. And God, I thank you that you've allowed me to come here and to start this family. It's always been you, Jesus. It's never been me. You get all the credit. You get all the glory. But if my time on earth is done, Lord, may that be our vision. That we can do immeasurably more than all you ever asked for or imagined. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. If you live in the Yankton area and don't have a church home, we'd love for you to join us this Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Minerva's Convention Center. You can also check us out online at yankton.church and Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Celebrate Yankton.